Hey guys, welcome back to the Duke Wisdom Podcast. Welcome to the Duke Fan Therapy edition of the Duke Wisdom Podcast. Uh, recording this one not too long after the loss to Arkansas. And uh, I know a lot of people don't like listening after losses, but misery likes company. And a lot of people, <laughs> some people might want to listen in and as and hear someone else sort of vent about the the issues that this Duke team seems to be having. Well, I hate to call anything a predictable loss, especially when it's against a team that was already four and three heading into the night and had lost multiple games in a row and didn't look fantastic, got handled by Carolina, beat by Memphis. Uh, Arkansas didn't look great. And in the first half, they weren't great against Duke. They were good in the second half. I wouldn't say they were great. Duke was just not good. And they fell short in a lot of areas, and they have been consistently falling short in a lot of areas. They did that tonight. They did that against Arizona. They did that for a lot of the Michigan State game. Got lucky that Michigan State fell even further short. Um, did that against Southern Indiana for 20 minutes. Um, have failed to really look dominant at any point through the first seven games at all against anyone, to be completely honest. They've won games convincingly, but not, they haven't looked dominant in any of the games against lower rated teams, but they have, they have looked bad against tournament teams. Well, non-tournament teams in Southern Indiana case. Um, a lot to talk about in this one. You know, I digressed a bit. I, I hate to call something a, a predictable loss, uh, especially against a team that isn't, isn't as good and is no longer ranked. And I don't believe should should beat Duke, but when you're in front of a crowd of nineteen thousand that riled up, like they were at Arkansas, Duke. This is now the third consecutive season that Duke has lost its first true road game. They lost at Ohio State in 2022, and then they lost uh, last season at Wake Forest in their first true road game. Um, so this is the third one. You, you never love to see a preseason number two team at five and two. You don't love to see it. Good thing is it's still November. Duke has a game with Baylor in three weeks that they need to win. They really, really need to win that game. Because if they don't, nobody's convinced this team can go to the Final Four. If Duke heads in to, to January with like a nine and three record or whatever... I don't think many people are going to be too awfully convinced. Heck, uh, get a little bit ahead of myself. There's a game Saturday. They, they go on the road again on Saturday at Georgia Tech. So first conference game, first road game. And Georgia Tech's coming off a ranked win over Mississippi State. Georgia Tech thinks they can win that game. They think they can win that game. And if Duke rolls out the same team that they just rolled out tonight, Georgia Tech can win that game. And you do not want to be 5-3. and three having just lost to Georgia Tech with two losses in a row. So Duke not only needs to go out there and beat Georgia Tech, 
I think a lot of people would feel a lot better about this team if they went out there and handled <laughs> Georgia Tech uh, soundly. That's that would be a heartwarming thing to see. But that and a win against Baylor, I think, are the, the two things that are going to make me change kind of the way I'm thinking about this team. Want to join a community of Duke accounts publishing news, theories, and predictions on Duke athletics? Join the Duke Wisdom Network. Just go to dukewisdom.org slash join network today and fill out the form with your name and social media. Or you can DM at Duke underscore wisdom on Twitter or Instagram. Become a part of the community of Duke fans publishing their takes today. Again, that's dukewisdom.org slash join network or DM at Duke underscore wisdom on Twitter or Instagram. But there's there's a lot to talk about here. There's a lot to talk about. Uh, first thing that you notice in the game, Kyle Filipowski picks up two really quick fouls and it ends up having to come out of the game with zero points. He was scoreless for a very long time in this game. He ends up scoring 26 points, uh, his season high in scoring, the team's season high for an individual player in scoring at 26 and 10. Um, he didn't shoot particularly well from the floor. 45, I guess it's not horrible. Not great from three, just one of five, but... Overall, one of his best games that he's played, uh, especially the kind of half I had like 23 points in the second half. He played terrific there, but Filipowski has to come out of the game and the solution. And it's because he's the only big he's the only big down there. And he's and I've talked about this. He's put in such a a different position than he needs to be in playing the five. He doesn't need to be in. He doesn't need to play the five the whole game. And Ryan Young comes in as a one-for-one replacement, and he's put into the same position where they're calling these fouls, and he gets in foul trouble as well because there's not a lot of help. There's just not a whole lot of help there on that back line. There's Mark Mitchell, but he's guarding a guy that loves the three-point line in Brazil, and there's just so much of the three-guard lineups. And I think in the offseason, we discussed liking the idea of a three-guard lineup. And we're like, yeah, I can see John Shire playing three-guard lineups. It fits the kind of mold that he wants to, to go out there and throw out against other teams as a coach. It fits his play style, what he wants to do. Absolutely. I can see him running some of those lineups. What we have seen in the first seven games is nothing but three-guard lineups and often four guard lineups I mean to end the game tonight he was Mark Mitchell did not have a good game let's go out there on and go ahead and put that out there TJ Power ended up love TJ Power gonna talk more about him he ended up playing a lot of minutes Mark Mitchell did not play well he was 0-3 from 3 2-8 from the floor just six points it's back-to-back games with six points for Mark after double digits in the first I think uh four games for Mark Mitchell he's now got back-to-back six points However, he was ending that game with Proctor, Roach, McCain, and Foster, and Filipowski. I have no problem with any of those guards, but I just don't, I just don't love rocking four dudes, six, five, or shorter, who are all effectively point guards or combo guards. Because, I mean, six, five is not that short. I mean, Matt Jones was only six, six, and he could easily effectively guard small forward forwards terrific defender these guys aren't 
Matt Jones, and they're all basically point or combo guard players. Rolling four of those guys and then just being like, good luck. Uh, go ahead and go get those boards, Kyle. Hold down for it, Kyle, is is a tough ask. And, you know, I, I know Jared McCain's a actually he's a very good rebounder for a, for a six, three guard today he had 10 rebounds. His second game with with 10 boards, he didn't have a very good offensive game. Just one of seven from the floor. Um, one of three from three, but hey, 10 boards can't argue with that. Um, but it's it's getting frustrating. And I think maybe even the most frustrating part is that he played TJ. He's playing TJ Power. But he's playing TJ Power. You know TJ Power. Notorious uh, power forward. Greatest power forward. Like TJ Power is a textbook three. He's, he's, he should be guarding. I mean, and there is, there is a good argument that TJ Power can't defend on the perimeter yet. There's a great argument for that. And that justifies playing him at the four because it's an easier position for him to play defensively, um, especially in a zone defense, which they broke out a lot tonight. Um, But it's just so jarring to be like, he'll bring in a new guy and he's like, well, he'll bring in Reeves. And then he's like, well, we're still going to throw four guards around Reeves. And then he'll bring in power and be like, well, we're going to play him at the four and then also still have three point guards. And I get it. These four guards, they're really good. They're really good, but it just feels like let's let's mix it up, man. Let's let's throw Sean Stewart into more lineups. Such an athletic player is Sean Stewart. Arkansas is an athletic team. I think it would have made sense to to have put Stewart in there and just saw what he could do. I mean, Ryan Young got in foul trouble himself. The worst Sean Stewart could have done was also get in foul trouble, you know? So my I, I just I I'm going to keep saying it until it happens. Can can they put out Shire? Can Shire put out Stewart and Filipowski at the same time for more than 60 seconds? I don't think it's that tough of an ask. The lineups are, are a little frustrating, but what's even more frustrating is just the offense. You know, for a, a, a team that plays four point guards at the same time, um, and you might, some people listening might take, <laughs> might take a problem with me calling them all point guards. I guess they're not all technically point guards, but they're point guards. Like the way they play is very point guard or combo guard esque. They're playing four small guards at the same time. You would think this team would play fast, but they do not. They do not play quickly. Uh, they do not move the ball incredibly well inside and out. They should be moving in and out, constant cutting, constant movement with all that speed. It's not there. There's so much dribbling, uh, a lot of uh, being stagnant out there on the floor and just whipping the ball around the perimeter. They go into Filipowski. He gets doubled a lot. It's, it's ugly offense. This team is a work in progress. And I think a lot of people. Maybe, maybe didn't expect that with four starters coming back from an ACC tournament championship team. Uh, a lot of people thought that this team wouldn't have the same, the same learning curve, but ultimately, you know, those four guys are the same guys that struggled for months last season. This team wasn't very good. You know, in, in the middle of January, this team was closer 
Duke was closer to missing the tournament than they were to getting a five seed in January of last year. They were a nine seed. They were a loss away from dropping to the 10 line in January. Instead, they end the season getting snubbed from the four line. It's a long season. Duke has a chance to pick up a big win against Baylor. They have a good chance to pick up wins in conference play. It's going to be tough against Miami. It's going to be tough, tough against North Carolina. Carolina is is right now, right now, this will pain some people. Right now, Carolina is better than Duke. That's hard to hear. That's hard to hear, I know, for a lot of Duke fans, but I think it's true at the moment. They did relinquish a 24-point lead against Tennessee and only ended up winning the game by single digits. But ultimately, Baycott looked great. Davis looked great. Ingram looked great. Carolina, at the moment, probably better than Duke. Probably. They beat that Arkansas team by 15. So, it's, it's frustrating right now, but it's a long season. It's a really, really long season. Um, and you can't get too discouraged because Duke does frequently lose the first road game. And that's a very tough road game. And that's a team with its back against the wall in Arkansas. Duke was reeling heading into the night with the Southern Indiana game. You could tell something was off. Arkansas back against the wall had this hyped up crowd behind them. It was a trap game. It was a game that people have known for months that they very well might lose, probably would, and ultimately did. Um, I think some of the things that were discouraging uh, when they went to zone defense, like it still wasn't all that effective. <laughs> they left the corners open. They just weren't as quick as they needed to be. Um, the most discouraging thing is just how unenergized they were for like 37 minutes of the game. They, they just didn't have any urgency uh, to their play at all. But in those last three minutes, they finally started trying to close those passing lanes They were pressing, defending. If they did more of that for a longer period of time, they would have had no trouble winning that game at all. A sense of urgency would have won that game. They didn't play well, but just having a sense of urgency would have easily have won that game. Arkansas did not play an incredible game. It's not like Arkansas beat Duke. Duke beat Duke tonight. And that's such a that's a bit of a cliche thing to say, but it's very true. And it's been very true. In a lot of these games that Duke's played, um, when things aren't going well, I'm not so sure it's because of the other team. They, they made a push. It was too little too late when they made a push at the end of the game. They, they end up getting it down to single digits. Where they get a steal, get it down to nine, and they get another steal, and Kyle Filipowski has it. And I'm thinking as he drives to that rim, here's a beautiful and one opportunity. As they close it out on him, and I'm like, okay, this could be something. But Arkansas slaps down very clearly on the replay, fouls him. Um, that's not called. Ball goes off Filipowski's leg. Out of bounds, just like that. What could have been a seven-point game, Arkansas goes down, hits a three, turns back into 12. They keep pushing. They keep getting some steals. They get solid stops. They, they get the lead down to three at a point. They weren't able to make big shots. They missed a couple free throws down the line. Ultimately, couldn't get a steal at the very end of the game. Arkansas made their free throws for the most part. Um, And it was just too little too late. They had started that run a couple minutes earlier. They might have walked out of there with a win. Uh, If they had played with that urgency the whole game, they certainly 
would have come out of there with a win. No doubt about it. Um, and that crowd was really good at Arkansas. It was good. It was really great for like 10 minutes of playtime. And then I kept hearing about it from like Shulman and they were like, he was just like, hey, you can't hear anything. And I was like, well, from the broadcast, I mean, I'm not there, so I don't want to rag on it too much. But from the broadcast for like a solid 20 minutes gameplay when that game was like back and forth close, every time Duke hit a shot, like you could hear a pin drop in that stadium. Um, but they got ruckus there at the end. You know, congrats for their this season's national championship win for Arkansas. Um, but you know, it's and and right there at the end of the game when they had that that shot toward the end. As soon as I saw Caleb Caleb shoot that three, I knew that that wasn't the shot. I just knew that was not the shot that they needed to take. It wasn't the guy that needed to take it. Um, you know, Caleb Foster had two points. He was 0-4 from the floor before he took that shot. He'd literally not made a shot. So when that shot went up from him, I was like, no chance. Game. And it was. And that's, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough game to lose. But the loss itself is like they can bounce back from it. But it's just there's certain problems that Duke is exhibiting in in the lineups they're putting out on the floor, the offensive sets that are being ran or Maybe a better way to word that is the lack of offensive sets that are being ran and just consistency from from not Kyle. Kyle puts up he finds a way to go get his numbers, man. Jeremy Roach had a had a really good game tonight and Jeremy Roach had a really good game in the last game. Um, Tyrese Proctor, man, as is not a consistent score. He's just not. Uh, three of 12, one of six from three. He's, he, he's a great, great facilitator. He really is. But the, the offensive sets aren't helping him facilitate. He's a fantastic facilitator, but the way they're running their offense does not promote he, the way he can pass. It does not promote his play style well enough. And then he, just isn't a consistent enough scorer right now. He doesn't find the bottom of the net enough uh, for a guy that's supposed to be the team's second option. He rarely is. Uh, Jeremy Roach usually is, offensively speaking. Mark Mitchell, I was praising him that he wasn't having the same dips that he had last season. He's in one of those dips right now. Jared McCain has not been consistent at all. Um, I would like someone who has him still in the top 20 on draft boards to sit me down and explain it. I know he's a great shooter. Um, he just hasn't been aggressive enough. He fades into the back a little bit too much. He, he certainly is like a very, very identifiable f- freshman kind of play style at the moment. He's a good player. He's a great shooter. He has a lot of room to grow. Um, Sean Stewart makes mistakes. Clunked a couple free throws today, uh, real bad. But I still I want to see more of him in two in two big lineups, or heck, even give him run at the five. It's funny because Shire's fine playing one five at a time. He refuses to let it be Sean Stewart though. Um, I love that TJ Power finally got run in a big game to a two from three. I wish he would have got way more shot opportunities than that. 
I would have preferred he shot. Duke shot six of 22 from, from three, which means the rest of the team was two of 20. Or was four of 20 from three, not TJ Power. I would have preferred TJ Power taking all 22 of those threes. <laughs> um, he's the best pure shooter on the team, I think. Uh, Jared McCain is a, a great one as well, though. Tough loss because it's a preventable loss. It's a loss that was predictable, but very, very preventable. Just from effort. To not get outplayed and just know that effort is the reason they lost. Effort and perhaps a few coaching decisions. That's a t- it's a tough one. It's a tough one to swallow. You know, if there's anything that, that I missed talking about that you think's a, a big issue, comment on the podcast. Um, hit me up on Twitter, Instagram. Let's, let's talk about it. I'll try to get it on the mic uh, Tuesday again following the Georgia Tech game and Speaking of that Georgia Tech game, this team needs to be on their heels, man. They got to go in there aggressive and win big. I think that people need to see this team be convincing. They haven't been convincing. They have high expectations. They came into the season with, with high, very lofty expe- expectations. And they, so far, have not shown that they can meet those expectations. I believe they can get close to meeting those ex- I don't I'm not sure that this is a national championship team. But I'm I think this could be a final four team still. I certainly think that. And I think it'll be interesting to see how this team develops. I said it in the last episode. I know this has been 20 minutes of me being a completely negative person about this team. But I want to reiterate a point that I talked about last week. I think recently fans have gotten very used to Coach K's teams being uber-talented and just cooking teams in November. Coming out a conference play 11-0, 13-0, 15-0 to start seasons. I don't think John Shire's teams operate like that. I said it last week, John Shire's a little bit more Tom Izzo than he is Mike Krzyzewski in terms of how his team looks in November. But if he's got his teams looking the way Izzo gets his in March, then that's just something that Duke fans are going to have to adjust to. Um, Duke has played very bad in its two losses, but they're two losses by just five points each that they could have won. And that's maybe a good sign. They're playing horrible right now, and they, with a few more shot makes, a little bit more urgency, could be 7-0. and could be still a top three team in the country. Instead, they'll drop out of the top 10. They'll probably, I don't know, fall 12, 13 or so next week. It's a long road. It's a long road. There's going to be bumps. If Duke can beat Baylor, hold themselves to four or five conference losses, his team can end the season 25 and six or 24 and seven and have a fairly convincing season. But They need to start winning games with a little more conviction. The offense needs to be crisper and have more of an identity, run clearer sets. And this team needs desperately (laughs) a bit more of an identity in the interior and a little, just a little bit less three and four guard lineups. Just a little bit less for my own sanity. George Tech on Saturday. It's been real. I hope you guys are doing well. Thanks for listening, as always.
go follow Duke Wisdom on on Twitter and Instagram and get going on the uh, Duke Wisdom Network with us so you can you can put your rants into words and have them published. It's a lovely opportunity. Thanks for listening so much, guys. And I'll I'll talk to you guys again on on Tuesday. Hopefully it won't be therapy session part two. 